Well, um, Nate has graciously given me a few minutes to share some vision with you guys. And after over a year of switching that vision a thousand different times and into a thousand different directions, I think I finally got it. I, I, I think we finally might have a good place to go. So um, if you bear with me, I, there's a little bit of fate story in here too, but I, I think it's important to share that with you guys and not just... Um, the end result of everything. The process is important as well. So um, when I first came into this position a few years ago, it, it was out of a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> um, literally, Nate and I talked after one Sunday, and I had a whole bunch of questions. Nate, what about this? What about that? Can we do this? Why aren't we doing this? What? And he's like, well, I need to find somebody to, to do that. I need somebody like you in that job. And I was like, oh, well, hey, lucky me. I need a job. So. Uh, God kind of worked through that, but it, it came from this, this need and this desire of, of seeing that what we were doing wasn't bad, but we could do more. Um, and a lot of what um, I saw lacking when I first came in was just relationship between the students and the teachers, between people in the church and the youth of the church. There seemed to be a big divide, and that was really hard for me because I grew up in a church um, where that was not the case at all. I, we, I was so blessed, and I, I even have some of those people still here pouring into my life. Right, Mr. Chandler? Yeah. I, I, and it's awesome. And it's awesome that I get to pour into the lives of his grandchildren. But I was very blessed to be in a church where it wasn't just my Sunday school teachers that poured into me. It was all of the adults in the church, whether they helped in during times of need for my family or whether they were just, you know, interested in watching and, and that was huge for me because it turns out a few of them really directed my course later in my life. I had no idea that I was really wanted to be a teacher until two women, an outgoing director and an incoming director of the preschool at the church um, where we were at, said, hey, we don't want you to just be an assistant. We want you to teach. I'm like, I can't teach. I don't have a teaching background. I don't have a teaching degree. I have a degree in psychology. I have no experience. What are you doing? And it was because they had watched me and been invested in my whole life at that church, that they knew that their choice was solid. They had prayed about it, they saw my gifting, and they poured into it. And that led to a 15-year career as a preschool teacher, which I absolutely loved, absolutely loved. And that wouldn't necessarily have happened if they hadn't been paying attention. And so that's one thing when I first came into this job that I really wanted, not only for my own kids being in a new church, but I wanted for everybody because I knew for me, even as I became an adult and, and things happened in my life, I still had those people. Those people never left. I might not talk to them as much. I might not see them as much, but their influence on my life and their involvement in my life really never went away. And so how do we do that? So when you come into a position like I did, I didn't go to school to be a children's ministry director. I, I haven't gone to seminary. I don't have... You know, and so I started to doubt myself and, and say, you know, I don't have, like, like I tell Greg all the time, but I don't have that piece of paper. And Greg tells me all the time, that's not what it's about. It's not about that piece of paper. So then I get into this job, too, and, and there's so much information out there. So you can go. So even though I'm focused on, on building these relationships, I start getting distracted. 
well, there's this cool curriculum here, and this is the new fad there. And, and by the way, do you really know what you're talking about? Because you don't have that piece of paper that tells you what you're talking about. And, and then, by the way, when you're at these conferences, guess what? You know, tons of kids are leaving the church, and, and by the time they go to college, 65 to 70% of them don't, don't go to church anymore. And, you know, how do we fix that? And by the way, the fix is relationships with adults and feeling involved and included in their church. That's the way they found that. Of the kids who stay, that's why they stay. Because people pour into their lives and they're invested in their church body. And so, so as I'm doing this, you know, we try some different curriculum networks. We, we pull some more people in to help us on Sunday mornings. And, you know, and that's going well, but still there's something that's not quite right. You know, and I, I'm watching. My kids have been very blessed to have relationships with adults here in, in the building that have just been invaluable to them over their time here. But again, that's, that's my kids, and that's great. But we need that for everybody. How do we do that for everybody? And, you know, and I'm like, all right, Lord, well, I, I've got this idea, I, but I, I can't do it all myself. Okay, so build a team. Okay, well, I got to build a team. But that means, you know, I have to find people. And then I start making excuses. Well, this person I want on my team is too busy. This person is taking care of sick parents. This person has job issues. This person, so then all of this time goes by. And hey, I don't really like talking one-on-one -on -one to people, even though they're very nice people. I'd much rather talk to everybody at the same time. That's easier for me. So Lord, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to, to really do that. So then all this time goes by. And then last year, about February, March, I'm like, all right, that enough is enough. I hear you. It's not about me. It's not about what I want or what I'm comfortable with. It's about you and your vision and my willingness to go forward in that. And so I'm like, okay, here's my people. I'm going to talk to them. We're going to build this team. And things are going great. We have this great outreach with the community for missions. The mission trip's happening. We're doing all this great stuff. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Hello, COVID. Hello, stop. Hello, I don't get to see you. Hello, it's going to be hard for me to talk to you. Hello, we are all in limbo. What do we do now? So again, Lord, what do I do now? Because now I'm not even seeing these people. I, I don't want to overwhelm them because we're all overwhelmed. So then I sit and I wait. And I try and do things like technology, again, sending videos. The first video I tried to make for Sunday school, it was, it was not a bad video, but trying to get it out to everybody took so long. And I was so frustrated and angry. I said, okay, this is not the way. This is not the way you want me to do this. And so, you know, I learned and I, and I did different things, but what kept coming back to me was relationship. And I remember a few weeks in knowing that we weren't coming back. I remember just sitting and crying for days and days because I wasn't gonna be able to see my kids. And that really hit me like it's not, it's not about how fun I make things. It's not about how cool things look. It's about whether I'm there investing in my kids every week. And so I was like, okay, relationship. So we're going to get on Zoom. I'm not going to make videos where they can't talk to me. We're going to be on Zoom where we can interact. And we're going to just keep building these relationships. And God opened up doors with that. You know, you would think maybe over Zoom isn't the best way to, to teach kids how to hear from God. How does God communicate with you? But we did it with the upper elementary class, and it was awesome. 
And so as those things kept going, I'm like, all right, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Things are good. You know, let me see beyond just this. And, and it was hard at times because it, it felt very lonely. And, and again, I'm going, okay, well, now how do I do this? Because my staff wasn't that great big before, and now my team members are cut down to almost nothing. And, and again, we're not seeing each other, right? So then we get to come back. Okay, we get to come back. This is great. Oh, but wait, we have to come back, and I can't hug anybody, and I can't high-five anybody, and I, I can't get too close and have class like I really want to do. And I, guys, I got to just be real honest. That is the grace of God that I got through those first few weeks because I, I did. You can ask Greg later. He said, I don't want to go to church today. I cannot do this. And God said again, Jen, it's not about what you can do. It's about what you're going to let me do through you. Okay, so we'll be outside. We had great summer. We had big classes outside. Everybody was together. And again, God just kept working and moving and working and moving. And as I went through the fall, I was able to attend some conferences where, again, God started confirming it's about relationship. It's about discipleship. You know, talking to Nathan, what is the vision for your church? If we want adults who think small group is normal and not an added thing to your life, then we need to do that starting in our nursery. You know, and we can. I, I know a lot of people, oh, the nursery. Guess what? A ch child's concept of God is cemented by the time they're five years old. Five. So if we don't start doing it in the nursery, we're going to miss our window. So then, again, this is cascading again into, you know, how is this going to work? Who does this involve? And hey, God was just really showing me it doesn't have to be teacher people in a classroom on a Sunday morning. That's not what discipleship necessarily is. That's part of it. But that's not what growing disciples is. It's, we say, we do life together here, right? If the adults all do life together, why are we forgetting the kids? We shouldn't be, right? We should be doing life with them. We should be modeling life for them. We should be giving them the information they need as well as the opportunities for the transformation we want them to have. Not just, hey, you can memorize the books of the Bible and that's great. But we just started a scavenger hunt in, in the books of the Bible with the upper elementary class. And instead of just doing the sheet, we launched into questions. And the questions, guys, blow your mind they would if you heard them. I mean, if God made Satan, didn't he, you know, and he knew he was going to make a bad choice, why did he do it? Well, if God did that, didn't he technically create sin? Are you kidding me? You know, you could sit there and you could say, I don't really know, and I'm not really going to answer that question. Or you could go, thank you, Jesus. Matthew asked that question in class, and not to put you on the spot, Matthew, but it was an awesome question. In class where we can talk about it, and we can go to our Bibles, and we can figure it out, and you're not going to the Internet that will give you a 100 other answers that have no truth. And that's the other thing God has really brought to my attention is that Yes, we need information like books of the Bible and things like that, but we need those opportunities for transformation. But we also really need to teach our kids the truth. They need to know the truth, to, to really truly understand it, to be able to live it out and share it with others, because that's what, that's what a disciple is. 
right? And they can't do that if we're, if we're just saying, oh, this happened to Daniel, and oh, this happened with Noah. And those aren't bad things, but we need to change it up a little bit. We need to take it deeper. It can't just be an event in the Bible of a person that lived a long time ago. It has to be, this is how God used Daniel, and this is how God can use you. And so in, in thinking about how to do this, again, what we're at the point of right now is, is a relaunch, a shift in perspective, but very much um, just needing people. And, you know, it, it's so easy to say, hey, it's a parent's job, right? Deuteronomy 6 tells us it's easy to go to that passage and think that God is just talking to parents, right? Because it says children. It says teach your children, right? Um, but here we go. Because it says, these commandments that I give you today are, um, are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. But, but a lot of times we skip the verse before that, verse 4, that says, Hear, O Israel. Not hear mom and dad, not hear grandma and grandpa, not, um, you know, hear big sister. Hear, O Israel. Israel's everybody. It, it's all of us. It's it, not hear, O teacher, either, right? It's everybody. And so as I'm thinking, hey, this is everybody, and we're, we're kind of thinking outside of the box here, how... What would this really look like? And um, I might call names and stuff, and I'm not trying to do that to call anybody out or to offend anybody or anything like that. It's just kind of what I've seen. But we have some men in the church who love to hike, right? Jerome, Rizaldi, the Greggs, hike in the 46 peaks consistently, right? And, and really enjoying it. So I go, oh, my gosh, we have some kids who like to hike too. How awesome would it be for those men to take a group of kids and by hiking build relationship and by the time you're spending together have opportunity for discipleship. So cool, right? So cool. Video games, not my deal. Not my deal. And, and the, the guys who are into the video games, I'm just a big dork to them. But there's got to be somebody here who loves to play video games. You're spending time with them. You're pouring into their life over a common interest. And, and the opportunities, whoa, Lord, that could be so cool. We have a bunch of, of young people who like to bake. I had them over to my house a couple of weeks ago. We made some brownies. And who would think, you know, baking? Cornhole. A game where you're throwing bean bags. And not, not has that been, but it, that's a reality. Jazz brought cornhole to the lake when we had our lake day, and I've watched him build relationships with the kids. And so by building those relationships again, those opportunities for discipleship are there. And that reminds me of, of Ephesians 3.20, and I'm not going to go there because I know it, um, which, which says, you know, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine. And I go, whoa, if I can imagine this as a great opportunity, and, and, and God, you can work in it so much more, and then you're telling me I'm going to do more than that? Why wouldn't we do it that way? 
why, why would we settle for 45 minutes in a room where there's one, one adult pouring in to 10 kids? That's part of my challenge. But here's the thing. I'm a visual learner, and I've talked enough now, so we're going to do a little bit of a visual demonstration to further make this point. All right, so all of everybody who is from the nursery to college, come stand up here, please, right in front of me. You don't have to do anything but stand here. And some of you I asked, and some of you I forgot to ask on your way in. But here's the thing, and I'm going to move so I can keep, keep talking and not be in anybody's space so much. All right, so we have quite a few people up here. And we have to remember we've got a few kids in... Thanks, Ariana. Kyle, you count too, but I'll let you sit there for now. Oh, you're getting your shoes on. Perfect. Perfect. All right, so we have everybody here, plus we have a few kids in, um, in the classrooms, plus we have a bunch of kids who aren't here today. So all told, we have about 50 kids, okay? Right now, 50 kids from the nursery to 12th grade. And so here's the thing I want you to think about. I was at a conference, and I was able to hear a really dynamic speaker her, um, who gave a... a um, a demonstration using a relay race. And she was kind of using it in a different way, but it's perfect for what I'd like to accomplish today. So we're thinking Olympics track relay race. What happens in a relay race? Passing what? How does that happen? Yep, you kind of got to do it. And you have limited time and limited space, right? You only have about 20 meters to, to hand off, right? Usually, how many people do you have at a time? Well, usually you only have one person passing at a time to the other person. Yes, you have like 10 or 20 people in the race, but usually you have one person passing to the next person, right? Okay, so here we are. We don't have a space limit, but we have a time limit. What was our time limit again? Five years to the concept of God and another 10 years maybe after that to really develop that and get that going. So... Here's the thing. Right now in our relay race at our church, we have all of these guys plus everybody who's missing, 50 kids. On the other end, carrying the batons, I have 12 team members from nursery through, up, through the youth group. 12 of them. So I know I've got some math people here. Do 12 people carrying one baton pass their faith to everybody who's waiting for the baton to be passed? No, not going to happen, right? Not going to happen. But, but our team members are awesome, so they're going to carry multiple. How many batons do they need to be pa carrying and passing to try and get to everybody? 3.5 or 4. Let's round to 4 because 4 is a good number. So, right? So we have these team members who are wanting to do this, who've been feel called to do this, led to do this, and they're trying their best, but they've got four batons. What's going to happen, guys? What's going to happen if one person's trying to pass four batons at the same time in the same limited space? You're going to drop it, or it's not going to quite get there, or you're going to get there, right? That's a lot of missed opportunities. And for me, being who I am with the passion God has given me, I can't accept that. I can't. And I, and I would really hope that in spite of my job, even if I wasn't in it as a Christian, who sees these kids on a regular basis, I wouldn't be able to accept it either. 
and and that's again not to criticize is to get you to think and is to get you to challenge to challenge you because guess what it's easy to say these guys are the church of the future they're not they're the church now church of the future are those kids that are the generations yet to come these guys are the church now they're the ones answering the tough questions and asking the tough questions of their leaders to be able to share with their friends. They're the ones who are in kindergarten putting a, an arm around a friend who's having a bad day saying, God's got you. They're the ones at the bus stop sharing Bible verses to kids who need them. They're disciples now. Jesus didn't say, oh, by the way, you can't be my disciple until you can drive a car, have a glass of wine, graduated school, and you know all this stuff. God said, let the little children come to me. Jesus said, bring them to me because they can do it now. All right, guys, thanks. That was awesome. Go have a seat. So just to kind of finish up here, um, that was just a very powerful vision for me, and I thought it might help some others who process that way because everybody learns a little bit differently. But... Again, our kids really need to know the truth, to understand it, to live it, and to share it. And that's what we really want to be doing. And, you know, as I shared, I, I struggled with a lot of self-doubt. I struggled with making excuses. I, I've struggled with a lot of reasons why not to move forward on this, even though it's something I, I knew I needed to do at day one. But God is good. And so about a week and a half ago, after I had talked to Nathan, I was like, oh, I have all this stuff in my head. I think maybe I need a deadline to get it out. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to introduce the team. Why don't you share some vision then? It'll, it'll be good. Okay, no problem. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to happen. <laughs> Thank you, but that it, I, I, there's just too much in my head. It's not going to happen. So that was Wednesday on Thursday in my inbox, in my email. There is a video from a well-known children's ministry speaker who's like, three tips on how to share vision. Okay. <laughs> So I didn't watch it on Thursday, but I did watch it first thing Monday morning, and it was only eight minutes long, and I was like, okay, I hear you, I got you, we're going to do this. So I laid everything out, it was great, everything started turning in my head as to what to share this morning, um, you know, and the week got on, went on, and I got tired, and I'm like, you know, Nate came, I came in this morning, he's like, are you okay? I said, I'm exhausted. My fire that I had on Wednesday when I was so excited when I talked to you about this is like this right now, <laughs> but but the message will still be there. So that was, that was the beginning of the week. On Tuesday, I had the opportunity to virtually attend the Youth Pastor Summit, which is a, a great group of speakers from all over the country in youth ministry. Um, one of the speakers early in the day spoke on Joshua 1, and, you know, of course, Joshua 1.9. Do not be afraid. Have courage. I'm like, okay, I hear you, Lord. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not, I'm not afraid to share this on Sunday. I'm not afraid of what people are going to say. I, I'm not afraid of where this is going. I know you got this, and that's good. So six and a half hours later, as at the end, when Nathan wants dinner and Rachel's trying on outfits, like, Mom, what did you? And I'm trying to listen to this one last speaker who was um, Jonathan Evans. He was a very great speaker. He goes back to Joshua. <laughs> Lord, it's like 7 o'clock. I'm so tired. I have all of this stuff. You know, what do I need to hear? But this was the awesome thing that I needed to hear because he shared from Joshua again, too. But he started back at the beginning. After, you know, Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And on to, um, you know, to include that he will never leave Joshua and, and to, again, be strong and courageous. And as I was listening to this and listening to um, Mr. Evans speak, there was a couple words that really jumped out to me, and they were this. Now then. Now. Not yesterday. Not when you feel like it. Not when you figured it out. Not when you're comfortable. Now. Now is the time. And the other phrase was rise up. Get up. Yeah, I've been sitting on this for a long time, literally some days making myself sick about it, guys, trying to figure it out. And so to hear God say, now get up and move. That was the last word, move. Because it's great to know now, and it's great to, to get up, but nothing's going to happen until you move. Move because your steps are ordered for you. Your victory is already there. You need to go. So my, my challenge and my prayer for you today is that you would join, not just me, but join us. Join all of us. Let's get up now and get moving and prepare our kids with the truth for what lies ahead of them because it is scary. You guys know that. But these guys, they want to be prepared. They want to know the truth, and they want to be able to share it. So I just pray that you will join us in that. Thank you.